I'm Teffer. And I'm Eunice. Welcome to Yeah, a show where we talk about young adult lit and what it can teach us at any age. This is our book club and you're invited. Yeah! Yeah. We'd like to take this time to acknowledge that the studio where we record is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember that the lands we occupy are not our own, and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. We encourage you to take some time today and every day to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on and the indigenous communities of the area. So this week, we're talking about XOXO by Axio, which I am not going to say several times fast. Uh, This is a really nice kind of sweeping travel romance about a L.A. girl who meets a guy randomly in a very like Roman holiday kind of event uh, for an evening and then discover, well, then she ends up moving to Korea where he's from and then discovers that he is a K-pop star and then things go from there. It's very romantic. Mm-hmm. Now, Eunice, you you read a lot of romance, right? Like romance is kind of your mm-hmm. deal. I don't. Yes. I don't. My read, genre of choice. <laughs> I don't read a lot of romance. But to me, this book felt like much more like maybe a traditional romance than a lot of the contemporary YA romance we've read recently. Do you think that's an accurate assessment? Um, I have to say that I get I get where you're I get where you're coming from. Um, I think it really just reminds me of if anyone's seen a Korean drama ever mm. in their life, it just follows that type of arc. So it yeah, like Korean dramas are very much like it follows the arc of boy meets girl, like they like fall in love there's like conflict so it does like have that um so I would say she's probably getting the story like arc from like traditional like Korean drama and Mm. like the way like that story unfolds because like so many of the elements line up and you can really see it like play out that way um but I mean yeah like Korean dramas are very like romantic Mm -hmm. and follow those follow those tropes really well so okay yeah cool yeah I think like there's such a sense of true love in it I feel like the Mm. thing that really like struck me as romantic is like there's never really any doubt like they meet for an evening and they just both know it's fated and there's never (laughs) there's never any like I don't know it was just an evening whatever like no it's like she is smitten by him and he is smitten by her and like they have to find each other and I know we talk a lot about how it's good to have responsible realistic romance whatever yada yada in YA but I really enjoyed the just like for the sake of this narrative we are just believing that we are just believing in true love and this book yeah. convinced me, um, which is kind of impressive because I'm a little bit I'm a little bit cynical at times. Um, but it really did convince me, and that was that was really nice. It's a quick little read. I probably read it in in a couple days. It goes pretty fast, and it's just really fun. 
And I mean, we talked about this when we read Tokyo Ever After, which is, I think, the last book you and I reviewed together, which is kind of fun. <laughs> Um, But I really, really like this thing that's happening in YA Lit where we're getting travel romance books about Asia. It's really fun. It's it's a new setting. Mm -hmm. We're not just getting everybody going to Paris on school trips anymore. (laughs) And I really enjoyed kind of getting to explore Seoul a little bit and like Mm -hmm. get that sense. It was it was cool. It was nice. Yeah. I really liked that it was like you said, the. The the two of them, when they meet, like, it feels faded, and it's just them trying to, like, kind of compete with, like, outward forces that are, like, dragging them apart. So a, a little bit, like, kind of like a forbidden, like, relationship where, like, th- like forces in the world mm-hmm. are trying to keep them apart, and, like, they need to, like, overcome those things to be together in the end. Like, I really liked how it was very immersive in the different, like, the different settings. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, it being in Korea, but also it being, like, kind of, like, they're, it's a boarding school. Um, They got, they, there's this great, um, like, part of the book where they go away for, like, a camp, like, a school trip where they're um, in this, yeah, camp? I guess. Yeah. Retreat. Like, retreat. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's not quite quite camping. It's like they're in... It's like cabins. Cabins. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, like yeah, but... Korean version of cabins. <laughs> yeah. Um, they're like in these like traditional like Korean um, like houses. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So like where and then like and then in the beginning where the, when they are in LA um and like that's very yeah. specific like setting and um and all of that is very authentic and done like super well as somebody who is like tangentially like I've been to Korea and then like I get like I've been t- I visited LA um and I'm Korean and so like bits and pieces of that like felt very very familiar to me mm-hmm. and I was like yes like yes that's a great description like that's like the perfect description like that's exactly like what it is it evokes like the right like memories mm-hmm. for me so I really really appreciated that so like going on a journey but now like for me it feels very real like I have something to be like oh yeah like I I like have a memory that I can like um line it up with mm-hmm. that's super fun I did yeah. notice also that there is very briefly tangentially another Korean American Eunice and I was like hey <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that's always nice to see in books yeah <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so there's so many there's so many like little parts of this book that I feel like need mm-hmm. shouting out. Um, mm-hmm. I do love a boarding school narrative. I was just talking about boarding school narratives with Carter a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something really fun about having that sort of microcosm of teenagers interacting with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Another thing that I really appreciate about this book, in the same vein, I think, of how unabashedly it embraces romance, is that it really unabashedly embraces the intensity of teen friendships. 
Um, mm-hmm. Because we have Jenny going to this, kind of spontaneously going to this random music school in Korea because her grandmother's sick and she wants to go be near her and near her mom and maybe look up this cute K-pop star, right? And then while she's there, she makes like the closest group of friends she's had. And we see her in LA feeling kind of alienated from her peers. She's been working really hard on her music. I do really want to touch on the music school, the whole Mm -hmm. music school of it, because that's a part that feels familiar to me. Somewhat familiar. I did not go to Mm -hmm. a music school with K-pop stars. But she makes these friends in a very short span of time and her mother tries to like dismiss them. She tries to say like this is an experience that you've had and that's great but this isn't like your real life. And Jenny gets to stick up for that a little and say no these are like really truly good friends. Um, I love that we get to see the support between the band members and that we get to see the teens kind of navigate things and like become friends even if they don't like each other at first and uh, friendship despite this being at its heart a swoony romance friendship plays a really strong role in it and I really appreciate that it leans into the um immediacy and intensity of teen friendships because you really do make friends at that age in a way you don't later Mm -hmm. in life like there's something very special about the process of making friends as a teenager Mm -hmm. whether or not those friendships stick they can be really intense and really transformative and I appreciated seeing that honored yeah I mean it I really like how as soon as she lands it's the like she needs someone to help figure out like where she's landed kind of thing Um, so that feels really like fun to me where she's like oh like she quickly makes friends with people who are willing to help her figure out like the rules and yeah. like kind of like the customs and like what things are and then teach her about k-pop because she doesn't listen to k-pop and she doesn't really know all those things but um and then she like finds some <laughs> finds friends who kind of help her like with the customs of what it is and i actually appreciate it that it's like not actually like people who grew up in Korea. Mm. It's 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 fun that the kind of like because K-pop and Korean culture has kind of exploded and like has really influenced like globally um uh-huh. and people are really like kind of step into it from like very different like backgrounds. Yeah. Um but like <laughs> sometimes like as like a uh, Korean American born Korean right who's grown up in America sometimes you're more distanced from it than somebody who yeah who who's not actually even Korean right Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that's very true and I really like how that those relationships were explored in the books as well um, with those friendships yeah absolutely yeah Yeah, the the um there's a lot of people from like a lot of different backgrounds and they're all making friends and it's nice. Um, so Jenny is a cellist. She is a classical cellist uh, and she is focusing very, very hard on her music with the full support of her mother. I want to add like this isn't a narrative where the arts kid is sort of fighting to be a musician. Like, no, she has her mother's support. She may be a little bit too much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah as, as much as I was, like she kind of like that's all she 
Yeah, yeah. Her mother, her mother is really glommed on to the music and is really, really yeah. pushing her to be the best. And she does want to. She, her goal is to be yeah. a concert cellist. She's working very hard at it. I, I liked that. I thought that was nice. I thought there were some nice little yo-yo ma shoutouts. But I, I really appreciated seeing that. It was familiar for me. The like practicing and working really hard at it, and people maybe not totally getting why you spend so much time doing this thing or and it sort of getting in the way of hanging out with people but also being worth it like I mean I was never like trying to be a concert musician which is good because I could not have been a concert musician but there is like an intensity to playing classical music as a teenager one of the things that happens when you're a serious musician as a teenager is you have to form relationships with other musicians which like she does go to a music school in LA still like she goes to a performing arts school so I'm not totally sure why she had to wait till she got to Korea to make her friends but like whatever she was maybe she was just having a hard year she well and her father died five years before and that is kind of a significant part of it I guess yeah there's definitely something to be said about like her attitude in the beginning of the book Mm -hmm. was very much like this is my single-minded like goal like I'm gonna do this like I don't need to like kind of have other relationships like or other priorities in life right I think that is the way that it played out in the book where I think she did like in the beginning she does have that like audition yeah she, she gets that feedback right of how like oh like you're technically really good but I don't like hear the creative part of it or like you know like she gets that feedback which kind of sets her off on this whole um yeah so guess what I'm gonna do now (laughs) I'm gonna go to Korea I loved my mom (laughs) I'm glad you brought that up because I had like momentarily forgot that but I really love that um she gets feedback which I think every a lot musicians get this at some point or another you get told I mean even I did even though I was like not a very skilled musician (laughs) I was like (laughs) definitely last chair in the orchestra but like you get feedback at some point that's either okay you have all this passion and artistry but you don't have precision and you need to work on your precision which is me or you have a great deal of precision and you're technically very good but you're not connecting it to your soul which is the Mm -hmm. feedback that Jenny gets and gets okay you obviously can do this but you need to feel the music more. And she gets this in a showcase that she gets first place in. Like, it's something that she won. And this is the kind of feedback that young musicians will get when they're extremely good um, and they want to find something to push you forward, right? Because they don't want to make you feel like you hit your full potential when you're 17. Um, Mm -hmm. But it really gets under her skin, and yeah. and it makes her and her her uh, her fake uncle who has taken a real paternal role since her father died gives her this sort of offhanded of like why don't you go have some experiences <laughs> um, and it sparks it and the thing that I really love is that despite this being a sweeping romance that makes you believe in true love her goal is always to find that spark for her music. And she mm-hmm. does find that spark for her music. And it does come full circle and spur her career on and get her where she wants to be. I, I think that's, I think it's very well balanced. And I love yeah. that the drive of the story is you can have it all. You don't have to choose. 
Yeah. I just really liked how... <laughs> my favorite part of this, though, was that it was um, very much uh, like a fluffy story in the middle that you kind of forgot that she played the cello. <laughs> you did. It's true. <laughs> um, and, and like, I, I, I know most people would be like, oh, like, she's... Uh, she's this like serious cellist player why isn't she like really practicing and like I feel like that's not really the point (laughs) um and I actually really loved this book for it because you like forgot that that was like what she was in school for um, because she was kind of doing all this stuff and like like hanging out with friends and all that stuff and like I'd like to believe that she was actually like she's going to school like She's practicing. Yeah. Like, we know this. Like, she doesn't, like, Axio doesn't need to, like, say that in every chapter. Like, it's fine. Yeah. Um, I just like that, like, the thing that was highlighted through the middle part of the book was that she was making these friendships and, like, going on these adventures with a K-pop star, meeting his family, like, random, random things yeah. like that. Um, and, like, that helped, I think, with the, like, kind of the atmosphere of this book of how like sweeping like romantic it was um I think that's what helped it out. yeah like because I think if you got really bogged down by her like journey through the school part I think it would have been a very different type of book yeah I I agree <laughs> and I was thinking about it in terms of uh Jaewoo who we haven't talked about at all yet um mm-hmm. who is her love interest but I was thinking about it, like, briefly this evening. I was like, we he is a K-pop star. Like, he has a rigorous schedule of, like, not just dancing and rehearsing, but also, like, working out and keeping his body and face looking the way the label wants him to look. And, like, you know, he has a full-time job. And I, I also liked the choice, like both with Jenny's practicing and with his career to just to just hide the stuff that wasn't like necessary to the plot. Mm-hmm. Like we know that he goes and has his rehearsals. We know that he goes and travels. We know because like Jenny's friends have said this, that they don't have a ton of time together. Um, mm-hmm. But we don't really need to focus on the time that they don't have together. Like there's like. It's it's really, like, satisfyingly angst-free. Yeah. Like, the focus, yeah. the focus mm-hmm. is just on the relationships. And Jenny has enough to occupy her when he's busy that she's not, like, sitting around pining and swooning. And it's it's kind of nice. Yeah, I liked that. I, I, I And yeah. that's the thing. It's like, Jenny is a classical cellist obviously she practices every day probably for hours every day she has special study hall time for it like she works very hard but it's her job and the same way when you're reading a romance novel you don't need to know every detail of the email somebody's sending at work you don't need to see her practicing every day it's not the important part of the book and sometimes what you hide in a book is as important as what you reveal you know Mm-hmm. There was one plot point that I felt like didn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And that was Ian. Yeah. Like, she meets this cute guy, Ian, at a cafe. Like, I guess he gives her some information, but I don't feel like he had to give her the information. 
And then he crops up again later. And I felt like there was maybe originally a love triangle Mm -hmm. that didn't make it into the final. Mm -hmm. But that was weird. That to me, like his character, when he showed up again, I was like, oh, okay, what's going on here? And then he just kind of (laughs) left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that it could have been a full blown love triangle. Although if if she went that way, I would have been mad about it, though. So you don't like you don't like love triangles? Yes, I am. I think I've said this on the podcast before. I'm not a fan of love triangles. They are too. I don't know. I just, I just don't like that. Like, I guess angst that they bring up, and it's just like too much for me. I'm just like, no, like, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> so I'm, I'm okay with this. I'm totally okay with that. Um. I like I like a love triangle like in um like the love triangle in Pride and Prejudice where like hmm. one of the people in the love triangle serves to highlight what the OTP like why they belong together. Mm. You know, I don't like a love triangle like in Twilight when there is one person who is like an adequate partner mm. and one who is mm. <laughs> clearly mm. not. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and my favorite love triangle at the moment for YA is that, and this is a complete aside, but um, the ones that turn into polyamorous relationships. I are you talking about Iron Widow? <laughs> um, that too, but like I think there's a whole like crop. Like I was going through like a book list, um, okay. and apparently it's more than just one thing. Well, like I. Um, I kind of felt this while reading Ray Bearer, yeah. Um, which I absolutely loved the yeah. relationship dynamics in that book. Um, but I was like, oh wait, like this is great. Like this yeah. is what YA needs more of. <laughs> more polyamorous YA, absolutely. I want, I want you to send me Rex for every single polyamorous YA book you know of, because I want to read them all. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I I need to get into it because like I just saw like a list on uh, Book Riot, um, so I will definitely send you the link. But um, <laughs> but I haven't read that many of them. Okay. Um, but yes, Iron Widow. We're we're gonna get to that one. We we're have to get, get to, to that, that one, one, right? Yeah. Yeah, we have to get to that one. <laughs> yeah. I I want every love triangle to turn into polyamory. Well, I mean, like it makes sense, right? You know, yeah. like. Like, it just does. If you, like, think of all the, like, love triangles in YA that have existed before. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah. Like, at, at a point, you're like, okay, why do they all like each other? <laughs> like, why does... Yeah. Why? <laughs> Let, let's something kind of here. delve into that. <laughs> There's let's, something here. Let's, let's, let's go deeper into that. Uh, why is there a fan fiction that yeah. exists? <laughs> Well, and yeah. I mean, the y- <laughs> YA has a long story tradition of springing from fan fiction, right? It's great. Mm-hmm. We can honor yeah. that. But anyway, there yeah. is no polyamory in XOXO. Um, also, no. <laughs> everybody is straight. I just want to, like, establish that. It is, like, yeah. everybody is, assu- is is straight or not explicitly not straight. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know. I didn't really mind. I didn't. I just, there was a, like, yeah, it's about two heteros falling in love and and it's cute and I don't I don't care it doesn't feel like erasure it's just not 
part of the story. <laughs> there was like a cute little nod to like shipping at one point mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where where uh, Jay Wu talks about his fans like trying to ship him and Nathaniel and I thought that was cute. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's an acknowledgement <laughs> that queerness exists. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was one of the characters read very gay to me and now I can't remember what his name is. There's Angela and uh, oh yeah, her other friend. He reads gay to me. I my head canon is definitely mm-hmm. gay for him. Oh yeah, I just kind of assumed maybe not. <laughs> Was that not on the page? It's, it's not on the page. It's not on the page, okay. but I feel like it's in All the right. character. You know, I don't. Yeah, yeah. I don't, yeah, I know. I totally got that vibe yeah. as well. So yeah. okay, <laughs> I definitely thought I read that. Oops. <laughs> Maybe I I really might have missed it. It's totally possible that it's on the page and I missed it. Okay, so gayness exists implicitly or explicitly. Uh, love all the fashion in this book. Mm, mm-hmm. Everybody's so st- everybody's so stylish. Everybody's so hot. It's like like every time there's anybody, they are hot and beautifully dressed. Is everyone mm. in Korea just stylish, or were all these kids yeah, rich? Everybody much. in Korea is stylish. Yeah, okay. I was completely shamed. I was, <laughs> like when I go, when I went there, like maybe, oh, has it has it been like? It's been too long. Um, probably 2016. Um, and yeah, I was just like, oh my gosh, I look like the frumpiest person. That's like Ever. when I moved to Montreal from Boston, <laughs> honestly. It's like, oh, but like I also don't care. <laughs> so, but like, yeah, I was definitely shamed, um, not by anyone, just just the sense of like walking around being like, yeah, everyone's way more put together yeah. than I am. Okay, <laughs> um, for sure. Yeah. So, th- no, that's the vibe. <laughs> okay. I also loved seeing um, makeup, jewelry, like pierced ears, dyed hair on guys being part of the like masculine appeal, uh, mm-hmm. which I know is like the K-pop aesthetic. But mm-hmm. there was just something really nice about like reading a teen girl admiring her boyfriend and being like, oh, and his earrings matched my dress. And that like made me happy. Right. Mm-hmm. Or like either he was wearing makeup or he had just kissed a girl who was wearing makeup. So I really hoped he was wearing makeup. Like, you know, like there was just little things like that, that I was like, yeah, we're normalizing this. We're normalizing Mm -hmm. letting boys be pretty and, and feel cute, you know? Yeah. Um, And I liked that a lot. Now I don't listen to (laughs) K-pop, but uh, with every book that we (laughs) read about it, I get a little closer (laughs) Mm. Um, are you a, are you a K-pop fan? I am not really. Yeah, okay. like I would not consider myself because um, I feel like with K-pop fans, like with fandom, like it's you have to be really in it. In be- it. Like yeah. if you th- if you read if you're like even tangentially like aware of K-pop, you know, like everyone. There's like different language. Like you speak differently about. Yeah group like there's like all this vocabulary like yeah it's just it's a it's a whole thing um it's a whole culture um so I feel like you have to really be in it yeah um yeah and like I'm like very pretty much very far removed from it now like I used to listen to a lot more like maybe wave two I guess they would call it <laughs> I'm so not you're already like... you're already way ahead of me here <laughs> um the big bang era for people if people are k-pop listeners that that would be my like I would know most in that generation of k-pop music okay. but right now no nothing um 
only because BTS has kind of made it into like American radio. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I thoroughly enjoy BTS uh, music only because like I love boy bands. Like I'm a sucker for yeah. boy bands yeah. and they have I good music. Uh, <laughs> um, but like anything else, like I don't even know. And I uh, only thing I know is just from what my sister has told me. So okay. that's it. <laughs> Okay. I'm I I don't I will not even pretend okay. to be an expert. <laughs> okay. Okay. So neither of us know anything about it. Yeah. So, um I have some friends who are like stands. Like I have yeah. I have like like K-pop Twitter stan friends. Mm-hmm. Uh and it is just I don't it I I it is not something I am inside at all. Um but yeah. the aesthetic is really nice. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, and the mm-hmm. aesthetic definitely comes through. Like we haven't talked about the cover, mm. but this is another one of these gorgeous covers we've been getting. Like cover art is yeah. cover art is popping off right now. Cover art is like so good on mm-hmm. every book, and I don't know why it's going so hard this year. But like everybody's <laughs> books are beautiful. Um, yes. This one is no exception. It is this beautiful pastel sunset vista uh, mm-hmm. with the couple gazing adoringly at each other in the <laughs> middle. It's it's charming and beautiful, and the color scheme is is amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's so pretty. And and again, this is another one of those just highly immersive aesthetic books that I think mm-hmm. we all deserve to read these days. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's also kind of fun. So, like, I, something I can't help noticing these days when I read books is mm-hmm. I notice, are they acknowledging the pandemic or not? Mm-hmm. And... Uh, <laughs> This one is not. This one does not yeah. specifically refer to the pandemic. Which, okay, this is an aside, but I know, like, when this pandemic started, I remember thinking, like, we had a pandemic 100 years ago. We had a pandemic in 1918, the Spanish flu pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, it was in my grandmother's lifetime, you know, like, who was still alive at the beginning of the pandemic. And it was just like, okay like why did we all forget about it like how did we like I really like I was in this for a while I was like why don't we have public health measures like pounded into us like why are we in this situation where our grandparents didn't pass down to us if a pandemic happens don't fucking mess around and um but, like, really, like, I was, like, media doesn't talk about it. Like, books don't talk about it. Like, there are a few books that are specifically about the Spanish flu. But, mm-hmm. like, for yeah. the most part, the literature we have ignores it. And I was, like, that's at the time, like, at the beginning of the pandemic, I was, like, that's so weird to me. Like, it seems like we're never going to stop talking about it. And now, <laughs> I'm, like, I totally understand. <laughs> I totally get it. <laughs> We're going to do that again. That's going to happen again because nobody <laughs> wants to talk about it anymore. <laughs> yeah. We would all like to just move on. Yeah. Um but I noticed it in this one because they use masks as oh, yeah. disguises, yeah. which I know is mm-hmm. I mean yeah. obviously like mask use has been widespread in Asia long before 
COVID-19 took off. Mm -hmm. But um, that made me notice. And I was like, hmm. Yeah. But I do feel like at this point, it's like, it's not like, like books can be set, books could be set right now without specifically nodding to it, you know? Again, it's Mm -hmm. like stuff you hide. Like, this is again rambling. (laughs) We're watching Downton Abbey (laughs) right now because Tom hasn't watched it. And I've been trying to get them Mm. to watch it for years. And they were finally like, all right, I will watch Downton Abbey. And they're loving it. It's great. Um, But like, we were watching a scene in the hospital. And this is like Mm -hmm. Downton Abbey, right? This is the 1900s. And I was just like, they're not wearing masks in a hospital. Like, it's so ingrained that I felt, wow, I'm really rambling here. But I found myself adding those things. It's like, and then she goes into the hospital and obviously she's going to sterilize her hands and put on her mask. But it made me think that I think it would be fun to have like a mistaken identities because of masks in the pandemic or something story. Mm. I think somebody should write Mm -hmm. like, I think somebody should write a pandemic comedy of errors. That's the kind of <laughs> pandemic material that I want. Is I want like the goofy oh shit. <laughs> like let's not write about the yeah. millions of people dying. <laughs> Instead, let's write about like I thought mm. this was the same girl. <laughs> hey, maybe give it give it like another year or two. It yeah. might happen. Yeah. Somebody do yeah. that for me, please. Uh. Really? There was one other thing that I like appreciated in here. Which is, again, this was like a little thing that I felt like was maybe initially more of the journey and got edited out. Mm-hmm. Um, just because we've read so many YA books at this point. Someday I'm going to read a YA book and I'm going to turn off that part of my brain. But it was mm. not. My reviewer brain was on today. Um, <laughs> but the part where she is coming to accept that it's okay to like K-pop as a serious musician was kind of cute. <laughs> yeah because like i get it like when you're in the classical music world there are definitely the people yeah. who are real snobby about pop music and it's not all of them and all the mm-hmm. people i know who are still musicians who were like in, who i met at the conservatory who are still doing music are like more fun and experimental and listen to weirder shit mm-hmm. but like it was fun to just see that and to have it be like yeah you can do the fun stuff and be a serious like music being a musician is not all about playing the cello suites like being a musician mm-hmm. is also about playing around and having fun and like i mean look at yo-yo ma who is like the probably the best cello player the best cellist like alive right now i'm just gonna say that because i love him and i'm committed to him and i'm not going to acknowledge <laughs> that anybody else can be a better cellist um <laughs> I love him. My dad met him in an HMV once and he autographed a journal for my sister who played the cello because of Yo-Yo Ma. It was very sweet. Aww. Yeah, it was really sweet. I think of him as kind of like my dad, even though he doesn't know who I am. Um, <laughs> but my point being that Yo-Yo Ma gets very playful and very creative with his stuff. Like now that he's an established musician, he will really do whatever mm-hmm. the fuck he wants. Um, yeah. And I liked 
A, that Yo-Yo Ma was one of her, like, go-to listens that she talks about, which, like, of course, because every cellist will listen to Yo-Yo Ma because he's a god. Um, But also, like, that she goes on this journey of finding her musicality and finding that Mm -hmm. part of that musicality is getting outside of her, like, assumption of what music is and what being a concert cellist is. I thought that was really Mm -hmm. nice. And I just like that she was a cellist, you know? Like, she wasn't a violinist. She's a cellist. I love the cello. Mm-hmm. My sister plays cello. I wanted to play the cello, but I wasn't allowed to because we already had a cellist in the family. <laughs> but you also didn't play the violin. No, so. I played the viola because I was, uh, well, no, I was going to say because I was edgy, but literally I was told you have to pick a string instrument. No, you cannot play the piano even though you want to because we need to have a string quartet in the family and the thing we are missing is viola. <laughs> No one else picked the viola. That's how violists are made. Either we're failed violinists. But that is that is actually something that people would be like, oh, did you start off as a violinist? Because there are more chairs for violas and orchestras. Mm -hmm. There tend to be more jobs because there are so many violinists. And people would be like, oh, did you switch to viola strategically? And I'd be like, no, I started playing on a quarter size violin strung with viola strings where you could change the pitch by changing the pressure of the bow as God intended. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Do you like... I mean, you and I met when I was probably still playing on a violin strung with viola strings. I don't know if you were ever privy to the fact that I could change the pitch of my string by just, like, Mm. bowing harder. Probably not. No, my classical music didn't really happen around you ever, eh? I was, Mm -mm. it was, like, very compartmentalized. But, uh, but it was funny. It sounded like a cow. My, like, God... (laughs) Oh. It was cute. It was probably cute. I was really not very good at it. <laughs> uh. Anyway, um, I feel like maybe we're maybe we're coming to the end here. Huh? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have anything else you wanted to touch on? Um, I did really want to, like, nod the relationship Jenny has with Sori, though, her roommate, and how that whole thing progressed, and um, also kind of the um, B-plot of Sori and Nathaniel's relationship. Yes. That happened, and I was like, I just want things to work out for them. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think it was... um, there was a lot of fluff in this book, but there was also a lot of um, kind of like commentary on like the K-pop music industry mm-hmm. and like the pressure that K-pop idols have from like fans and just cult. Like it's just such a yeah. big part of <laughs> their job yeah. <laughs> is to like have an image that um and it's all very like very very much an industry it's it's um like very rigid um and that whole um like part of it like you couldn't really write this book without touching on that and yeah. talking about um like the pitfalls of that too um Mm. so i i did really want to kind of mention that i think axio did a really good job um i'm sure she did a lot of research on that 
and um, I think she represented it pretty well um, while trying to kind of weave this story of like having a romance and it being um, like kind of like uplifting in the end. Well, it gets a happy so. ending. And one yeah, thing yeah. that's actually one thing that I noticed that I really appreciated is how the thing that is built up as the central conflict of the book, which is the fact that he is not supposed to date ends up not being like I don't want to give away too much because this is a fairly new release yeah. but it ends up not being the like really central conflict like it's there it's a driving force mm-hmm. in the plot but ultimately the like thing they have to overcome is different um yeah. and I yeah. really liked that I liked there's there's a shift sort of three quarters of the way through the book where mm-hmm. there's sort of this like coming back to reality part of it that sort of like the honeymoon period is ending and things are getting grounded and I think that it's handled really really well um Mm -hmm. again like it's not a super angsty book it's not super dramatic but there is friction and there is tension and and there are misunderstandings and things and I think that the ending is handled really well um Mm -hmm. I liked it a lot and I just love a book where everybody gets what they want. It's just yeah. nice. It's satisfying. Yeah. So that's XOXO by Axio. I highly recommend it. I it's a it's a really nice little bite of escapism. Yeah. Yeah. And I also feel like this is something that's like like gonna be really appealing to its audience. Like we're mm-hmm. reading it as an adult, but like mm-hmm. man, I would have I would have lapped this up at like sixteen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah. I was just like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, oh my god. Okay, so I totally forgot to to mention this too. But the other thing that I really noticed and appreciated is I mean, this is like obvious because it's a book about Korean people that's largely based in Korea, but the way the beauty standards of the book and the way beauty was described is like definitely like centered on Asian features and Asian faces and I thought that was really lovely I I really really like noticed and appreciated that um and thought it was fun Mm -hmm. and like sometimes I think like especially with like that can get so like conversations around that can get so icky with like plastic surgery and like Eurocentric beauty ideals and I felt like this book just really beautifully sidestepped that by having everybody just seen through Jenny's eyes and Jenny just Mm -hmm. noticing when her friends are beautiful and (laughs) uh and it was nice it was wholesome (laughs) yeah yeah so I like that yeah We have a new guest uh, application form. So if you are interested in joining us for an episode like Carter did a couple of weeks ago, um, you can head to that. It's currently pinned on our Twitter and we're adding it to our link tree on Instagram. If you're interested in being a guest, you can fill that out and we'll take a look at it. A note that we uh, tend to schedule things about three months in advance. So if you don't hear from us for a little while, it's just because we are coordinating for people's schedules. Um, But we will look at your application application because of the volume of contacts we get we will only contact people we are going forward with so if you want to join us on the show you can head to that form fill it out we'll take a look and if it seems like a good fit we'll be happy to have you on thanks for listening to yeah if you want to leave feedback suggest a book for us to read or just say hi send us an email at the at gmail.com 
Follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Yeah Podcast and individually. I'm at Tever Bear. And I'm at The Unicorn Reads a Book. That's Unicorn with an E. And I'm on Instagram. If you like the show and want to help us make it even better, you can consider supporting us on Patreon. You can get all kinds of great perks, including early access to bonus content, shoutouts, guest appearances, and more. Head to patreon.com slash yapodcast to donate. Shout out to our patrons, Catherine Reshi, Kat McGuire, Lizzie Tenhove, Chantal Thomas, Maddie Dever, Megan Jane, and Emmett Cameron. We have merch! Hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get some from the fine folks over at Tee Public. You can also always support us for free by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts, subscribing on Spotify, sharing our posts to your social media, um, and sharing this episode directly with a friend, maybe your most rabid K-pop friend. Special thanks to Great Bear for letting us use their song Jenny's Groove as our theme music. You can find their music for sale at greatbearmusic.bandcamp.com. This episode was produced by me, Tefra Jemian, and edited by Tom Zalatni as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. Hi, I'm Anthony Giorgio, host and producer of Queer Teen Podcast. Queer Teen Podcast encourages the next generation of queer youth from across the world to stand up for what's right. Listen, learn, and love as you get to know the next queer youth leaders of the world. Queer Teen Podcast celebrates, elevates, and narrates how the LGBTQ community uses our voices to tell our stories. You can find Queer Teen Podcast on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else to get your podcasts. And please, please, please subscribe today. And don't forget to listen, learn, and love. Hi, I'm Howard Mitnick, host of Gateway Music. Join me as I talk with people about the artists and albums that changed their lives and about the artists and albums that changed mine. Available on the Upford Network and wherever you get your podcasts.